The following conversation is with Ryan Quinslin. Ryan just completed his first year of college at Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, Arizona. Ryan loves playing music. He loves creating music, but he's also a beautiful worship leader. Ryan's got wonderful perspectives about life. I believe you will love this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it with him. At the very end of this podcast, you will be able to hear his ballad. I'm going to call it a ballad. It is a beautiful, beautiful single that he recorded this past year. And I cannot wait to hear more music out of him. In the show notes, you'll see a link to Spotify so you can actually listen to that single in its entirety. So thank you for listening. And here is Ryan Quinslin. The first time I saw you, though, uh, perform was at uh, Tide Fest. Right. You were a freshman. I think so, yeah. And I remember thinking, like, I had no idea, like, Ryan, that you are you perform music. And right. I remember thinking, <laughs> and I, I remember going, like, wow, you guys sounded really good for Thank being you. freshmen. So how did you get into music? Um, I think I kind of been in music my whole life because, like, when I was younger, I was just kind of, like, singing all the time. Um my when I was like really little, my parents put me in like that backpack thing that you know like holds you on their back. Okay, and uh, I was like singing, and they used to call me like Rypod, <laughs> Rypod, because <laughs> I was just like making up songs like as we were just going on hikes and stuff. Um, but yeah, so I've been singing like my whole life, um, and then I started playing guitar when I was about like ten. Wow. Um, yeah, I took uh I took like a guitar lessons. I took a few guitar lessons actually from Taylor Enlow. Um he was my guitar teacher for a few lessons. Um but I didn't really like guitar that much and so I kind of like didn't play for like a year or so and then I kind of picked it back up and uh just kind of started teaching myself and then I really liked it and I just kind of Took off from there. So from your freshman year and throughout high school, you did choir. I didn't do choir. You did not do choir. I did drama. You did drama. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's where, because you were in, what were you in? What performances at Gigar High School? I was in um, Guys and Dolls, Man Who Came to Dinner, uh, The Wedding Singer, Pride and Prejudice, and Les Mis. Okay, so you were in every musical. Yes. Because I think that's probably where I connected you with the right. idea of choir. Right. Because, one, you, you were always in a role where you performed. Right. And, uh, and those are phenomenal performances. What did you get out of drama at Gig Harbor High School? Drama was a really fun time. Drama was really cool because it kind of, like, it really helped you step out of your comfort zone and... Um, just like being able to like talk in front of groups and like talk to people. And there was a lot of, uh, like times when <laughs> you'd be like really, really nervous mm. <laughs> and like, you'd have to overcome that, you know, like on a daily basis. And it kind of, it worked on your, um, just kind of like your confidence speaking and singing in front of people and. Yeah, it was a fun time, and it was just a lot of fun, like, working with all the other kids and, um, like, performing and stuff. And yeah. it's a lot of commitment. 
I mean, yes, the it hours is a major in, commitment. Which I think uh, at times was probably like, like excessive, but at the same time is also about accomplishing a sense of perfection that was expected, but yeah. also as a peer-to-peer, how are we going to do this together? Right. You could see that that culture, that the the idea of spurring one another on, which I thought was pretty cool to watch from the outside. Yeah, it was really cool. It was a big commitment, though. Like, sometimes there would be, like, 10-hour rehearsals, like, on a school day, and you get home at, like, 11 at night, <laughs> and you're like, why am I doing this, you know? Yes. But, yeah, it, but in the end, it was... Uh, it was like worth it to perform and like, you know, have the performance like what you wanted it to be. And it, it was very rewarding. Yeah. So when did you first perform um, as a musical talent in front of people besides the uh, fam? Hmm. I'm sure you did family night where Ryan's going to be there <laughs> performing in front of mom and dad. <laughs> no, not really. Um, I don't know. I think it was probably just. Um, theater was the first time I did. Okay. It was the first time I like sang in front of anybody. Wow. Yeah. Or maybe Tidefest. Maybe. I think Tidefest was my sophomore year, which is when I started um, my band. But it was also when I had been doing drama since uh, eighth grade. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. What middle school did you go to? Kopchuk. Kopchuk. Did they have a drama program? Not when I went there. So in eighth grade, where did you go for drama experience? We we went to the high school. Okay. Because um, they like didn't have enough guys in oh, the in the program, and so they were <laughs> recruiting us in eighth grade. That is funny. Yeah. So let's fast forward to your senior year. It was January, twenty twenty two. And you were leading worship at Heart Church, the first gathering. And I remember walking in, the same mm-hmm. kind of surprise of going, oh my gosh, Ryan's going to lead worship. And I remember thinking, I didn't see that coming. And I thought, mm-hmm. one, it's pretty awesome. How did you go from the idea of being in drama in high school then to leading worship at the first ever gathering of Heart Church? Well, before I uh, sang at Heart Church, I sang at the um, GC gatherings. Okay. Um, so that was like a little more little more low-key, and uh, just kind of one day, I like Kramer and I were talking about it, and um, I told him that like I, I felt like I had this, this gift that God had given me and I wanted to use it, um, to serve him. And so we, we just kind of set it up. So I was singing at, uh, GC gatherings and then I was doing that for a little bit and that was awesome. Um, and then when Kramer, uh, opened heart church, he asked me if I wanted to do the, uh, worship for the first gathering. And I was pretty nervous uh, but i just said yeah like let's do it and so there it was well if you were nervous i definitely would not have known because <laughs> uh, obviously 
leading worship is very different than performing in front of a group of people. Right. And so that maturity of you that you exhibited that night, because I remember thinking one, it was a, it was a powerful worship experience, but also two, I think it was so cool to see it was a younger person leading worship in that space during that time. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was so appropriate. And so what's your mindset going into leading worship compared to, let's say, performing in front of uh, yeah. an, an audience at uh, uh, in drama. Right. So, like, singing, um, like, non-worship music and then worshiping are, like, completely different things. Because um, one is, like, it's just for fun and it's just, like, for entertainment purposes, um, just for people to enjoy. And then the other is like an act of worship to God. And it just happens to be through music. Um, so the music definitely comes into play and um, like it, it definitely helps um, to, you know, be practicing and know your stuff and know what you're doing. But the music doesn't really mean anything unless your heart is in the right place and unless you're doing it, you know, like for the right reasons and, um, and if the people worshiping are doing the same, you know. What's your, um, what's your definition of worship? My definition of worship, anything that glorifies God. So essentially, when you are, the, the, your posture, when you're mm -hmm. leading worship, is glorifying God and you're leading a group of people in the process. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. After high school. Right. You uh, went to Grand Canyon University. I did. Your first year, just finished. How was it? It was fun. I liked it. It's a beautiful campus. It is. It's I can't very beautiful. It. Yeah. It's very clean. But yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, my first semester, I, uh, I wasn't too sure about it. I was kind of like, I don't know. I wasn't sure about college, you know, like yes. going into college. And so my first semester... I, I felt very, like, trapped and, like, kind of just, like, I couldn't... Also, I didn't have a car, and so I couldn't really, like, go too many places, and I kind of just felt trapped, and I wasn't really, like, plugged into any communities or anything like that. Um, and so I was very unsure for a semester. But then second semester, I came back, and uh, I was much more involved. I joined, like, a, a life group, which is just, mm. like, a small group. Uh, on campus and uh, just kind of started doing more fun things around uh, Phoenix. And so I definitely like second semester more and it made me more excited to go back next year. Good. That, that adjustment is huge. Right. It's for people to say, I adjusted just fine with no hitches. Right. Like you're lying <laughs> right. because it, it is all of a sudden you're, you're doing, Laundry without being told. You're doing all these mm -hmm. other things that you you kind of forget about, and right. then suddenly you are, you're ultimately you're you you are on your own making more decisions. But uh, that's cool that you you adjusted, and also you're excited about going back. Mm -hmm. So far of what you've been studying, what have you been learning or doing on campus that has inspired you? to start dreaming about your future? Dreaming about my future. 
Notice it's different than the question of what's your major. Right. Because a major is a very short-sighted question. Mm -hmm. But what you're learning, it could be within your major or outside your major that really excites you about, about I cannot wait to pursue this in mm -hmm. the future. Um, I think there's kind of three things. One would be my actual major in my classes, which is entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually really do like my classes. Um, and I'm excited about what I might be able to use them for starting a business or um, even joining a business one day. Um, the music has gotten me excited because they have a really good recording studio there. Um, and they have a lot of like very talented people that work in um, the worship department mm. and um, they have like really good worship there, um, like different worship nights throughout the week. Um, so that's kind of got me excited for what I might do with that. Um, and then also just kind of, there's a lot of volunteer opportunities on campus um, and I kind of got involved in those and can you give a maybe a, a an example of an activity that you've gotten involved with yeah so um we did rehoboth which is it's just like a rehoboth is a uh, neighborhood outside of the campus um kind of in a very bad part of phoenix and we just load up in vans and we drive to the neighborhood and we just like play with the kids uh that live there we just like shoot hoops with them and play on the playground. And, um, and then we do a little uh, Bible lesson at the end. And then we just like say goodbye and then leave. And we do that like once a week. Okay. Well, so, actually it's twice a week, but you sign up for once a week. Sure. But you start to see the same kids. Right. Cool. Yeah. And, and start so, to see connections being made. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's, it's cool to think like, that maybe you might be having like an impact on these kids' lives and on their potential relationship with Jesus, like maybe you're planting a seed. But that's just been cool to do and kind of opens my eyes a little bit to wanting to volunteer. So, yeah, that's been cool. So your faith has been a significant part of your music, but also your commitments, like volunteering. Mm -hmm. Where does this... Kind of the origin. Is there an origin story of your faith? I don't have a like <laughs> just a black and white, you know, kind of transformation testimony like a lot of people do. My testimony is just it's been a slow, gradual thing. Um, you know, since I was little, I grew up in a Christian home and um, I know. I knew who God was, and I knew that he loved me, um, and just as I've gotten older, I've just learned more and more about who Jesus is. I've just grown into that faith, but yeah, it's never been like, it wasn't uh, like a cut and dry sure. kind of testimony. It doesn't have to be a made-for-TV right. story, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Too often, people think, is it real? But no, I think... Um, well, here's what I love about you and your brother Trevor is is the idea that you guys uh, have having watched you in high school, mm -hmm. grow up in high school, and become these uh, confident, uh, soft-spoken young men 
who are great to watch from afar because you're consistent with who you are. And it says something about the way you're raised, but also it says something about your faith. And, and obviously, my guess is that you would probably attribute that to faith, but also your parents have right. the way they've raised you. Is there anything specific about your parents that have kind of contributed to you and your brother? Well, first of all, thank you. <laughs> that was very nice. Um, yeah, for sure. My parents, um, I think they did an amazing job raising us kids. Um, you know, they always kind of pointed us in the right direction. And um, they always, they pointed us in the right direction, but they never really like forced anything on us, which I think is the right way to do it. There's There was a lot of... Um, little bit of tough love <laughs> thrown in there too and i think that that that's healthy and that um that's just the way it should be yeah i'm very thankful for my parents and for the way that they raised me that's awesome like i said doesn't have to be a made for tv movie that's that's right. for sure <laughs> so you are it, it, it was not perfect <laughs> i'm just gonna say no, no. my life's not perfect no and i'm not trying to <laughs> No, say I, that it is. I was. Uh, I'm the youngest of four boys. Right. So there was a lot going on in right. the house. So uh, definitely nothing perfect. Right. Because <laughs> I'm sure that you and your brother got into like moments, many many fights. <laughs> and uh, and of course, I'm the youngest of four, and I'm the shortest. You're right. the youngest of two, and you're taller. Yeah, that's true. Does your brother? Uh, I wasn't always though. At all, but but now that you're taller, does he's like? <sighs> yeah. He's yeah, jealous. I bet. I'm jealous too. <laughs> <laughs> I, my second oldest is his name is Alan. He's almost six foot tall. Wow. Like really? Come on, dude. Like hand over some of that height. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you know, and then of course, um, it's kind of funny. But they never really joked about me being short because I I'm the one who got the third degree black belt. <laughs> right. I remind them that. <laughs> So you spent a lot of time in a uh, in a studio at GCU. I'm sure it's an amazing. Like I got this little board. It's very cute, but it's perfect for what I do. But right, <clears throat> I bet there's a lot going on there. Are you uh, creating your own music? Yes. Ooh, tell me about. Just describe a little bit about what you're trying to accomplish with that, or is this more of an experimental at this point in time? It's kind of just for fun. I've been writing songs for probably about four years. Wow. I never really thought that they were like good enough to record until like recently. And so I've kind of just been recording those. And I have one song that I put like on streaming platforms. But yeah, it's mostly just for fun. If if I was able to make a career out of that, then that would be awesome. For now, it's just something that I'm doing just for my own enjoyment. So I, I've been around enough musicians because uh, I am not musically inclined. That's why I'm always, mm-hmm. when I see someone who's Uriah and right. Michael who lead worship, I'm They're always great. like, oh my goodness. Because I'm not musical. I can't, I don't sing. I sing in the shower. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, my, my old cat probably said, enough of this. I'm running away from home. <laughs> the process of you right like you have a song that you you uh, published so mm-hmm. the process of making that song become a reality 
some people, they have lyrics and then they match it with a tune. Right. And other people have a tune and then they create a lyric. Mm-hmm. What did that look like for you? Because I'm kind of curious the the creative process of yeah. making a song. For me, it's not, there's not like a step-by-step. It's kind of just like whatever happens, you just kind of have to make it work. Sometimes it's like you have an idea for a lyric or you have like a chord progression or you just kind of have like an overall idea for a song. And a lot of it is just kind of like playing around on the guitar and like just singing, even though it may not make any sense, like what you're singing, you're just trying to get, just flesh out like a melody or like some kind of lyric. Um, But yeah, it, it doesn't, it's not consistent and it's not, it's not like a step-by-step thing. It's kind of like, you're just drawing ideas together all at the same time to kind of try to create something. But um, yeah, it's kind of difficult. <laughs> no, yeah. The uh, the progression has to match the, the, the mood right. of what you're singing. Right. A happy song cannot sound depressed. <laughs> it has mm-hmm. to match what that is. So the idea of putting those pieces t- together has to be challenging, but also... For some artists, it clicks mm-hmm. right when they do it. They they can write one song in five minutes, and mm-hmm. others is it's like a lifetime in the making. Right, and you're probably thinking, I don't have <laughs> <laughs> a lifetime in the making to write songs. Right, <laughs> but uh, so how many songs have you written so far? Mm, I've probably written I've probably written over a hundred songs, but. They're not all good, you know, like I have like voice memos on my phone and I probably have like over a thousand voice memos of just like potential ideas, Mm. like full songs. Um, I don't know. Yeah, probably like around a hundred, but only a few of them I would like think are actually good enough that people might want to listen to. So it's also that, that process of creating experimenting. Right. And then later on, probably, hey, I can make that work, mm-hmm. which is why you should never discard anything. Right. Right. Yeah. The idea of, I can't remember who it was after probably Nixus out of the podcast, but it was a famous band and they, um, they woke up with a dream mm-hmm. and a song was in his head. I think it was Paul McCartney. Woke mm. up with, with, I'll have to research it so I don't oh, yeah, sound like I a think moron. I remember that. Yeah. And it's that. just like, ah. Oh. And then and it became one of their top 10 yeah. ever, you know, most played songs. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a dream where you woke up and said? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never had a dream. I've never had a song dream. That'd be cool, though. That would be cool. Just wake up and be like, there it is. And just grab yes. the guitar and just play it. Wouldn't that be funny? Yeah. I think that probably happens when they were playing you know, 10, 12 hours every day for a long period of time before they, before they made it, mm-hmm. before they, they broke on the scene and they were so refined, so polished because they left um, where they normally hang out in England mm-hmm. and they went to a, a smaller place and that's where they refined their, their sound. Right. So if you're doing that for that many days or that many hours, that many days, you're going to start dreaming that. Right. Kind of like when you start dreaming about work, 
That's right. when you need to quit. No, exactly. <laughs> but because when you wake up with dreams about work, that's because you're spending so much time, right? You know, thinking about it. Yes. Hey, make sure you call me when you have that dream. It's like <laughs> I found it. So you have uh, three more years of uh, university study. Yes. So besides a degree, what is it that you want to accomplish before you become? I'm not exactly sure. I just kind of just want to continue to continue to learn and just kind of get more perspective on, you know, what the world's about, meet new people, kind of keep doing music, see, see where that goes. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. I think the reason why I wanted to ask that question is because for me, when I went to college, mm-hmm. I studied science and it was about getting my degree. Right. And it was about me. When I left, I, I, because I, I remember I had to take a lot of classes because to be a science, a generalist science teacher, I had to have biology, chemistry, physics, and earth science. So therefore, I was had to take other you know subjects, which was great. But my last year was a lot of lab classes, mm-hmm. so I was always at school at night on the weekends, and then. Um, so I kind of miss out on the the bigger picture of what college can bring a, a, mm. a human being, that intentionality, which is, which is what you're doing. And I, I think uh, my guess is that those are the opportunities that are going to define more of your character versus what you're studying, if that mm. makes sense. I agree. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think college is more more important as a learning experience in your life than what you're studying. It has to be because, you know, if, if you're defined by being my major is entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and that's it, well, there's a bigger a bigger component of you as a human being, right? which is must be explored. And if it's mm-hmm. not, then now you have a limiting set of values that are drawn in. Right. And when you watch that in certain um, subject areas, it can be a rabbit hole that goes to a really negative place. It's just, it's sad to watch, but I think Mm. sometimes universities can limit the scope. But the thing I I love about GCU is the, is the faith component, but also the opportunity to become, you know, involved in not just the college community. Mm -hmm. Because I've heard this from other students outside the university campus, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, where people are going to grow the most. Yeah. Other uh, other things that kind of surprised you about your college experience that, you, that you're really uh, appreciative? I wouldn't say necessarily anything surprised me that much. But I am appreciative um, at GCU, definitely like the faith component that they have there uh, and just kind of how easy it is to get involved uh just like in stuff like volunteering or um like they have church events and um like a bunch of stuff like that and i'm i'm thankful that i went to a college that has stuff like that so it is rare even amongst uh historically faith identified universities Mm -hmm. and it's surprising like some of our local faith universities you would barely know that there is faith on campus. Mm. You have to really look for it. I'm glad that you're experiencing that at GCU. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's not it's not a perfect school. <laughs> no. But no. it's yeah, it's definitely um it's definitely um better than most in that respect. Yeah. Well, there's no no perfect school because right. And you want you want different perspectives. You want people challenging, you know, um different ideas mm-hmm. that's allowed versus um one size fits all, which is often in a university where you, you can't speak the truth in some mm-hmm. classes. And because I remember that with different professors, it's like you just don't even talk to them about anything. And one of my, it was Dr. Dorsey, she said, Don't even talk to me or question about evolution. Really? Because I will embarrass you in front of everyone and I will put you in your place. Right. So don't even try. Where thought, did you go to school? So I started off at TCC for my associates, uh-huh. and then I earned my bachelor's at Central Washington. Oh, nice. Yeah. And at Central, it was, you know, similar culture of right. of the idea of like, hey, we're going to, we have an agenda as a university. Mm-hmm. And it was, of course, it was a, pu- a public school, not a private school. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, it was very fascinating to watch. And, and I realized, like, I know so many people who, who go to university and their faith diminishes. Mm. And and that is a common theme throughout the university experience. Right. Have you have you had uh, conversations with friends about faith and after their first year of of college? Um I haven't actually had too many conversations about faith after college, but I do think that, um, like, where you go to school definitely plays a role in that um, because in a lot of schools, there's just kind of, like, a culture of, like, just kind of out with any any ideas or ideologies that you brought with you, and, like, there's just a culture of out with the old, in with the new. This is what you're going to believe Um I definitely see that, and I think that happens a lot. Um, yeah, it, it, it definitely does. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of my friends, their kids are either coming back from university, and, and they're describing their kid, like, wow, mm-hmm. they're, they used to be on fire with faith. And then mm-hmm. now they come back from university, and they actually are walking away from faith. Mm-hmm. And, and I think for me, that, that actually did happen. Um, thankfully, I had great colleagues that I worked mm-hmm. with who were, who were a faith and challenged me to, to reconsider my commitments. And, mm. and that's how I got involved with uh, young life. And that's how I got involved with, you know, local church. And it's been, you know, thankfully friends have been the bigger impact on my faith mm-hmm. and in university I believe that is a big picture, a big piece too, is your friends impact your faith. Right. So, um, kind of who you hang around with. Yeah. Influences what you think and um, what you believe. Yeah. It can also be for the positive. It can also be definitely for the negative. Mm -hmm. And so I'm glad to hear that you've had a really good experience with, with the university because it's so easy to, be deceived by the here and now, mm-hmm. throw out the old, 
Right. Let's bring in the new because after all, this new shoddy toy is really good. Right. And it's better than what you've had before. A really unfortunate uh, thing to see. So your musical influences. My musical influences. Do you have a musical influence that kind of maybe steered your style, your brand of of music? Definitely. Um, I'd say some of my top musical influences would be um, Dave Matthews, Mm. Jack Johnson. Just I've grown up listening to him my whole life. Um, John Mayer. He's great. I think probably one of the best performers um, and musicians uh, in the world right now. Um, Eddie Vedder. Eddie yeah. Vedder. Eddie, Eddie Vedder as a soloist. As a soloist, yeah, okay. yeah. I ran into Eddie Vedder one time. Really? Yeah. This is a really funny story. Girlfriend of mine. She had. Uh, she was taking care of a dog, and mm-hmm. we were on Alki Beach on a Saturday morning. It was one of those cold mornings where there was enough fog in the air uh-huh. and this cool Mercedes SUV pulls up and this guy gets out and he's kind of huddled up in his jacket, walks right by us. And then I didn't really think anything of it. And she's like, that was Eddie Vedder. No way. And I'm like, <laughs> like he's like my height in my mind. Uh-huh. And I'm like, how you know? Apparently, she worked for a vet clinic, and he would come in, so she recognized him, but didn't want to say anything because, you know, it's like, don't right. you don't want to be that person. Right. And there was no one on a beach. I, I couldn't believe it. And so he walks right by us, and, he, you know, he was like clearly just whatever's in front uh-huh. of me is all I'm looking at. I'm not going to make a big deal. And anyway, so I ran into Eddie Vedder. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> That's funny. awesome. I'd love to run into one of those guys. So all your musicians that you've listed have one thing in common. When they perform solo, like Eddie Vedder, mm-hmm. they're very acoustic. Right. Primary music is acoustic music, which I love. That's my favorite music is acoustic. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like when Nirvana did the Unplugged. Mm-hmm. Uh, MT, MT, it was the first time MTV ever did this. This was going to be highlighting um, a famous musician or band. And they started off with Nirvana and it was unplugged and no one ever heard Nirvana with acoustic music. Mm -hmm. And it was probably by far my favorite album they ever created. Oh yeah. Cause it's so clean, Uh but also it has that little bit of a reality. Right. So you just, expect it with acoustic music Mm -hmm. so what is it about you that draws to acoustic sounds and musicians who that's that's been the the hub of their career i don't know i just i really like acoustic music um lumineers was another one that i forgot to say they're great but i just kind of like that sound um i like that it feels very uh natural and uh organic and it feels like it feels the same if you were like playing it on your guitar in a room Mm. um the same as like if you were listening to it um but yeah i've always just kind of like that sound yeah dave matthews is he still 
performing? I, he never hears his name as much. He is, yeah. Okay. What's Is he still creating new music? Because you don't hear his name often, or maybe I'm just not listening to the right um, um, stations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not actually sure what his latest release was. Um, I don't have Apple Music or Spotify. Okay. And so I literally just listen to like stations um, like on Pandora or like a station on like free Spotify. And so I just like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not like up to date yeah, yes, with sure. like the new stuff that yeah. musicians are doing. I just listen to like their stuff as it comes through yeah. like those platforms. I love the way Dave Matthews specifically, because I'm a huge fan of his right. as well. Um, I love the way he changes his sound from album to album. And for those who don't know what an album is, it's, it's a compilation <laughs> of songs that comes on one <laughs> CD <Right>. or <laughs> record. <laughs> but they all kind of tell a story about uh -huh. the journey that that band or musician has been going through. So he'll, ha he'll bring in these like South African sounds and, and just different. The recording is shows something that he's working on right. that's highlighted. And I think that is so cool about Dave Matthews. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. He, yeah. He kind of just mashes a bunch of styles together and it's like into a very unique sound. Yeah. It's that like really only him and his bands have kind of, I mean, if not the only ones, they've definitely dominated that style of music. It is it is fun. Have you ever thought about uh, recording your own uh, worship songs? I have. Um, for me, for some reason, worship songs are really hard to write. I, I have uh, made a few songs. I don't know if, uh, I don't think they're <laughs> all that great, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, it's kind of, I don't know why, but it's kind of harder for me to write worship songs than, um, just regular non-worship music. Why do you think that is? I think it's, it might be because there needs to be more meaning to it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of harder. It's also a different style of music. Worship music is, it's, it's more like full and it's. It's more like, what's the word? It's more epic. Yeah. You know, yeah. The with the chords and the uh, the progressions and stuff, it it has to have that um, kind of like that fullness to it, and that um, it's the word, just like kind of like a greatness that other music doesn't really have to have. I'd like to write a lot more worship songs, yeah. um, and I try, <laughs> but your life is going to emerge where I have something to say and I, I never knew I had something to say until right now. Mm -hmm. The reality is you don't know what spurs an epic moment right? until you've been through it. Yeah, that's true. Um, another thing also is that I'm not a technical musician at all. I am. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> Define that a little bit. There's like you know, there's music theory yes. and all that. Then there's 
you know, how that correlates to actually playing the music. And I have never learned any music theory. I know nothing. <laughs> I don't, most of the time, I don't even know what I'm playing on, like on a guitar. Most musicians would be shocked at how little I know. I think, um, I think you'd be shocked the number of musicians who are in your boat rather than the other boat. Maybe. No, I, actually, I, I believe that to be true. Hmm. There are a handful of people who, a friend of mine, he's a, uh, his name's Michael, and Michael uh-huh. is classic guitar trained. Right. And phenomenal. I mean, the right. way he can play a guitar is incredible. But then I've also been around people who, they play it, they need someone to interpret the notes in order to put the sheet music down mm-hmm. because they don't know what that is. Right. So you might be surprised the number of people that, in that range right. of, of that type of skill compared to performing and knowing what people like to hear. Hey, let's, uh, let's listen to your song. <laughs> How do you feel about that? My song? Uh, yeah, you can play it. So let's do this. Okay. What's going on in that beautiful mind of yours? Why can't I seem to see what's past your door? These thoughts run through my mind like a freight train. Like why do tigers speak softly? What's going on in the heart that I can't hold? Magic in your soul. Ryan. That sounds so awesome. Thank you. So are you nervous of uh, playing something like this? Was playing Were you it. a little nervous about, hey, let's go ahead and uh, let's listen to it? A little bit. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you should be proud of that in a good way. I love that sound. I love that, that calming. But there's a message. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to, to – I'm a huge fan. I love it. Thanks. No, I think uh, – I think people who have a, a gift to be able to perform, mm-hmm. man, I, I hope that spurs them on to say, hey, if I can do it, I can do it. And I think uh, there's a, a message for everyone to say, to, to share, whether mm-hmm. it's through music, through worship, through mm-hmm. you know writing, or it could be through painting. I mm-hmm. think there's so much to offer the world. And or a podcast. Or a podcast, okay. yeah, you never know. But I think... Uh, no, this is that was that was special. We should have started off with that. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'll make sure at the very beginning, at the intro, hey, at the very end <laughs> of this podcast, you will hear a snippet. So for those who want to uh, hear that, where can they find you on Spotify? That is on Spotify and Apple Music um, under just Ryan Quinslin. Excellent. Spell the name because when people try to type it, they're going to be like, right. Quinslin? <laughs> and like... KW. <laughs> the name is K V I N S L A N D. Now, tell me the origin of that name. Your your dad and I went to high school together, right. which is really funny. Right. But I've never when I remember seeing that name for the first time, mm-hmm. I was like, I have no idea how to even say it. Right. So, so it's Norwegian. Um and <laughs> It's kind of funny. We actually kind of argue in our family about how it came to be about. But my understanding, when I was little, listening to the family open the the time capsule, okay, <laughs> is that there's a a town in Norway called Kvinnies Land, and the owners of the town are our relatives. Okay, family came over. Mm-hmm. There must have been a Norwegian English interpretation that got a little bit wonky, possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was, was missing. <laughs> it was shortened from Kavini's Land to Queensland. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's funny because the the next person I'm going to re- be recording for the podcast uh-huh. he's Norwegian. He's like, oh, yeah, he's almost eighty years old. He's a really <laughs> funny guy. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. He's like Norwegian. Like, he's, does he? He grew up. Uh, in America, uh-huh. parents grew up in America, but his roots, family roots are Norwegian. Right. And it's really funny because I always say, hey, how's how are the Swedish doing? And he gets <laughs> his ire up. It's super funny. But he's like six foot, you know, six, 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 four. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, um, so they can find you on Spotify and Apple. But, hey, I can't wait for you to... Uh, create more music and when you go ahead and do a full uh album uh-huh. uh let's do this again okay hey thanks Sounds so much good. you have a glorious day of course